grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today a special message Pastor Sean Azaro delivered in preparation for the Advent season with probably the most important questions of your life. Is there a God? And what is He like? With the bonus question, do you have the answer? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a special place to give at reallife.org. The series is called In the Flesh. Today is part one of the message called The Answer. Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from the book of John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, we're going to begin a conversation for the holiday season uh, called In the Flesh. In the flesh, talking about Jesus. And we're going to shine the light on Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to start out by just kind of taking a look at some of people's responses of how they look at God. Okay? How they look at God, how they see things, how they view themselves as far as their faith. So we got a video, take a look at it, and then we'll talk. Do you believe in God? No. You don't believe in God? I am an atheist. It's just I don't even deal with it one way or another. I observe people's beliefs. It's fine. You know, whatever gets you through the night, that's cool with me. Listen, do you believe in God? Uh, yes. Do you? Yes. You're not sure? Like a higher power. Yeah. yeah. A Same. higher power. A higher power. Now, what do you believe? I believe in spiritualism. I believe in karma quite a bit. I believe and whatever you, you send out, negative energy, you get back ten times. We're all carbon-based beings in the same universe. So. Carbon-based being, that sounds awfully impersonal. I guess so. I think yeah. I, I believe more in like the power of positive thinking. A personal God is, I think I myself is a God to myself. You're a God to yourself. my world, I am the, at the end, I rule my own world, so I'm a God of myself. I believe in God because... I'm a computer programmer. I know how right. hard it is to design things. Right. I know that making something function is just debugging days, 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 days. And then I look around and I see this universe we live in and how complicated and insanely extreme it is. And I could never do this. No one around could ever do this. And I don't think chance could ever do this. Wow. So Interesting. Do you believe in Jesus? I do. Why? Um, because I've looked around at a lot of alternatives and that one wins. <laughs> Jesus wins. There we go. <laughs> I like that guy. It's very logical. Man, I program computers and they don't do it themselves. I don't think all this happened by itself. It, interesting how many people kind of alluded to the idea that they're um, spiritual or they, they believe in the spiritual, but they're, they're not religious. And one guy said, I don't believe in a, a book God. The one guy, I love the one guy. I am a God of myself. And it's like, at least he was honest about it. Most people would never say that, but a lot of people live with that idea. Uh, Pew Research Center kind of did a pretty extensive study on this. And one of the things they found is that moniker, spiritual but not religious, is actually more than 25% of people now answer that with that kind of answer. 27%. And that's up 8% in just five years. This idea that spiritual, but not religious. And there's a vagueness to it. Um, a couple of guys from Baylor University, Paul Frace and Christopher Bader, did a study. And they found that people put God into kind of one of four categories, typically. 
their concepts or their ideas or the authoritative God. He's like a, he is like a father. He's both engaged as a positive force in the world and as a judge of the behaviors of humankind. They see in that kind of way of thinking, suffering can be the result of social and individual sins. There's a benevolent God. He's mainly a force for good in the world, a being who answers prayers of individuals and comforts the suffering, and only benevolent. The critical God, God is less likely to be concerned with moments in the lives of the individuals, but will mete out judgment in the next life. It's a popular image among the poor and oppressed, the author states. And then the distant God. God is cosmic force that sets the laws of nature in motion, but he doesn't really get involved in day-to-day events or movement. That's Baylor University, 2005. And all these different perspectives on who God is. It's funny, most everybody has something that they think. I mean, think about the questions that come from this conversation. Is there a God? What's he like? What does he want from us? I mean, one of the questions we'll ask people around here in our community groups and things is, what is God saying to you? And I guess the question is, how would you answer? What's your answer to those questions? Because I think these are some of the most important questions we will ever face. Do you have an answer? Have you thought about it? Well, I want to suggest to you that God gave an answer. Let's turn to John chapter 1. We're going to be in this passage of Scripture throughout uh, the next number of weeks, this month, really. John chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and in his closest relationship with the father has made, known, has made him known. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you want to say to us. I just thank you for Jesus. And I pray that over the next number of weeks we will discover new things. We will rediscover the wonder and the glory of your presence through Jesus. I ask that you'd speak to us. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this whole passage is talking about Jesus, right? It's talking about Jesus. So it starts talking about the Word, but then he starts saying things like he, and then we know it's the Word became flesh, and he basically tells us, John, not John the Baptist, he talks about John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle. This is John tells us 
that he's talking about Jesus. And he tells us some very important things about Jesus. He, he makes a statement that says, he was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So he has no beginning or no end. So when people start saying, well, I think Jesus was a, a wonderful teacher or he was a good prophet, you need to understand that the Scripture doesn't give us room for that. He was in the beginning. He is eternal. He is God, the scripture says. This is what we're talking about here this time of year, the miracle of the incarnation, God in the flesh. Matthew said it this way, remember he said, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we're talking about. We're told that everything was created through him and by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He's the creator. We're told he's the source of life, the very source of our life of the life that he created us for. He's the source of light. And the phrase that I want us to focus in on is he's called the Word. He's called the Word. Now, the, for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack this passage and shine the light on the miracle of Jesus. But I want to focus in tonight on this idea of the Word. I think that's unusual. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This idea of the Word, it's the Greek word logos. Logos. And John is the only one who uses this title. He uses it in his gospel. He uses it in his epistle. And he also uses it in the book of Revelation. The word logos means the Word or the message. The Word or the message. And it's very important that we understand something. He's saying he is the message, not the messenger. In fact, he talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came as a messenger, a forerunner, one who would prepare the way. Jesus did not come as a messenger. He came as the message. He's the actual message. And that idea, I want to suggest, is an absolute game changer. And if we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to sing about Jesus, we're going to celebrate Jesus, we're going to give gifts, we're going to sing songs, all in the name of Jesus, we probably ought to get this idea down. He was not a messenger. He is the message. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Answer from the series In the Flesh, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. 
Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, The Answer. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. You know, the scriptures are all about Jesus from beginning to end. In John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus said, you study the scriptures. He's talking to some, spirit, some, some religious leaders. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. The only scriptures at the time of this were the Old Testament. We know the New Testament all looks back and talks about Jesus and unpacks Jesus. But what he's telling us is everything in the Old Testament is preparing us for Jesus. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They search the scriptures. They want spirituality. They want to connect with the creator. And yet they're avoiding the message. Everything in scripture points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, we talk a lot about the Spirit around here. One of the great gifts God gives is he fills us with his Spirit. You do understand, it is the Spirit of Jesus we're talking about, and the Spirit himself quotes Jesus. It's what he does. Jesus said in John 16, beginning at verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. How's he going to do this? He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus speaking, because it's from me that he'll receive what he'll make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the scriptures are all about Jesus. They testify about Jesus. They point us to Jesus. They unpack and explain the life of Jesus. The Spirit himself is bringing to life Jesus within us, bringing the message of Jesus, bringing the word of Jesus. That's what the Spirit is doing. We're told the Holy Spirit brings to mind or remembrance the things that Jesus told us. Folks, it's all about Jesus. And in fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The answers to your biggest questions about God are found in the person of Jesus. That's it. The answers to your biggest questions about God, no matter what they are, are found in the person of Jesus, the Word, the Logos. Not the messenger. He's the message. He's the message. And God did some very powerful things. This this passage of Scripture is so critical to us because it lets us know, it it gives us an idea of what God was doing in Jesus. We understand the plan of redemption, and we'll talk about that in one of our later messages this month. We understand that Jesus was God's vehicle to redeem us and save our lives. But God was doing something every bit as big Every bit is significant in this idea, this concept of the word. A couple things. In Jesus, God revealed his divine nature to us. In Jesus, God revealed his divine nature to us. See, that's the thing. You know, the scripture talks about in, in John's epistle. He says, how can you say you love God who you can't see and hate your brother who you do see? The, the idea that God is spirit. He is divine. He is infinite. Let me just say, honestly, that's a little hard for me to relate to. Okay? Some of you guys may go, no, no, I got it. I'm good. Okay? But when I start talking about, especially you start talking about things like he has no beginning and no end, the no end, I can kind of go, okay, I can, I can imagine that. But no beginning, don't sit and think about that much. Your head will explode. 
The idea that there is one who has no beginning as we understand it. He has eternally existed. He is God. And so in Jesus Christ, God revealed his divine nature to us. He told us some very important things about who he is. First, he said he's creator. He is the creator. It's fascinating. And and this would have been code word to anyone who was a good uh, Hebrew student. When, When John began his gospel, in the beginning was the word. That phrase, in the beginning, kind of ears would have popped up. Because it was the most famous words in the Bible. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. That's different. You got my attention. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He is the creator. We're we're told that that all things are made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is, is this embodiment of the very creative nature of God. God is the creator. He's the designer. He designed it all. He's the initiator. He started it all. You know what that means? He's the owner. He's the owner. I mean, we, he's the creator. We are the creation. That, that idea, just because he gave us free will, doesn't mean he doesn't have a right to require whatever he wants because he is the creator. He is God. He's the designer, the initiator, the owner, the creator. He's God. And secondly, Jesus reveals in a very unique way that he is Father. Remember in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We take that and we go, oh, yes, of course, we grew up quoting that. What a wonderful idea. God the Father, very normal. To the first listeners of that prayer, to the first people Jesus spoke to, that was not normal. It was right on the edge of blasphemous. Because they understood the creator part, kind of the transcendent, he is God, he is over all, he spoke it all into being. They understood the greatness and the power of God. The idea that that creator, that transcendent God, would also invite us to call him Father. That was, that was a game changer. And Jesus revealed to us that he is our Father. And that when we see God, when we think about God, we are supposed to simultaneously understand one who is overall, who is eternally existent, who is the Alpha, the Omega, who is all those things, and who is our Father. Transcendence and intimacy in relationship with God. And that was totally brought forth in a different way, in a new way, in Jesus Christ. So he told us who he is. He is creator and he's Father. But he also told us what he's like. He showed us what he was like. Remember, he's not just the messenger, he's the message. He himself. Look at John 14, 8 and 9. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Talking to Jesus. Jesus answered him, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You want to know what God is like? Jesus. And and understand, 
when you start talking about the big transcendence, the eternal, all those things, it's very hard for us to compare that. We don't have any hooks to hang that on in our thinking. But Jesus, he came and walked among us. He illustrated God, who he is. You want to know what God is like, the creator of all things? He revealed himself to us. Remember, Jesus isn't the messenger. He's the message. And God's message was, you want to know me? This is me. This is what I'm like. And and remember, we, we learn through Jesus. We learn that God is unbelievably gracious and just all at the same time. Remember John chapter 8, the account of the adulterous woman? Religious leaders bring this woman before Jesus. She's been caught in adultery. And they said, the law says stoner. What do you say? They're trying to trap Jesus. Because the people just love Jesus. And the religious leaders hated that. So they were going to trap. The law says stoner. Stoner. What do you say? And Jesus, you remember, stoops, writes some things in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. But he gets up and he looks at them and he says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And he shoots back down and starts writing again. And it just says one by one they left. And then he's alone with the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. Now remember, there's one who could have. Because there was one present who was without sin. It was him. But he looked at her and he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And by the way, in that beautiful place, we see that Jesus is gracious and just. Grace and truth together. That's what John said. Remember, we read it. What verse was it? It was verse 17. He was full of grace and truth. You know, we something, we lean one way or the other. We tend to kind of, our personalities will take us one way or the other. Some people are real justice people. Some people are real grace people. And while we know we should be just, we lean towards grace. Or we know we should be gracious, we lean towards justice. I want justice. Jesus is not 50-50 grace and truth. He's 100%, 100%. 100%. And in that, you see him say, I don't condemn you either. His choice and his right because he was going to pay the penalty for her sin on the cross. Justice would be served. But he also is full of truth. Go and sin no more. Jesus wasn't lenient. He wasn't soft on sin. He hated sin. He hates sin. Why? Because it kills those he loves. That's why he hates sin. Because the people that he created and loves and has an amazing future for them, sin is killing them. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He's gracious and just. He's compassionate. Remember in Luke 5, we actually looked at that passage a few weeks ago. Remember he's sitting with a bunch of tax collector sinners and the religious leaders are ripping on him over it. He says, it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. Remember when he's coming down the Mount of Olives and he just kind of wept over Jerusalem. We see him when he wept at the grave of Lazarus when Mary and Martha were suffering over the loss of their brother. He's compassionate. And we see that. That's what God's like. He's righteous, and he's not playing. Doesn't mind open a can every once in a while. Remember when Jesus went, and they had turned the house of prayer, the temple, the place that was designed to meet God, the place that contained the Holy of Holies, they turned it into a den of thieves, a marketplace where they're charging exorbitant prices for religious implements, sacrifices. 
And so Jesus didn't go in and go, hey, guys, that's not really a good idea, man, which is the way we'd like to present Jesus, right? Hey, man, come on. That's not cool. No, Jesus made a cat of nine tails, overturned the tables with his hands, got the animals out with the whip, and threw them out. Can you just, I would just love to remember. These religious leaders who had kind of run the whole thing, it's their place, their house, and Jesus just comes in and throws down. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, In the Flesh, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City has come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.